This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. He, he wants <laughs> nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another Mike Missanelli Podcast. This is podcast 157, if you can believe it. Tuesday, January 23rd, brought to us by Bet Rivers. Let's get right to the business today. Of course, last night, a monumental night at the Wells Fargo Center as Joel Embiid goes for 70 points against the San Antonio Spurs. People that came to that game last night got their money's worth. They saw a franchise record of 70, plus Victor Wimbayana with a 33-piece. But 70 is monumental because it breaks Wilt Chamberlain's 76er record. Now, Wilt scored 100 points while playing for the Philadelphia Warriors. So that's the Sixer record of 70. And... um, they accommodated Embiid to get it towards the end. Everybody was trying to get him the ball to get to 70. It's just a great performance. If you look at the numbers, you look at the free throws that he had last night. Uh, and I was watching the game in the first period last night where he could do anything he wanted. He was making medium-range jump shots. He was bulldozing people down low. He was getting offensive rebounds. And I tweeted in the first period, this looks like Embiid can get 60 points if they let him play enough minutes, because I thought it was going to be a blowout. What helped them be last night is that the San Antonio Spurs stayed close. And so they had to have the starters left in the game for him to get to 70. Otherwise, he may not have set that record. But listen, it, it's a monumental performance. You score 70 points in a game, in an NBA game, <clears throat> you're doing something because you got to shoot it well. He was deadly with the medium-range jump shot last night. He didn't make a three-pointer last night, I don't believe, for that 70, but he did anything he wanted to get to 70. So, uh, you know, Embiid is on an MVP track. Uh, and, there, you know, it, it always comes down to the, the Joker versus Embiid. And, and the only thing that Embiid has to do is play enough games. I mean, these, these numbers are just too, too eye-popping to ignore. When you look and you go, well, Joker does more for his team, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, but you can't ignore numbers like this where he's averaging this kind of uh, uh, 36 points and going for these kind of 40-plus, 50-plus games. Uh, so I think he's got – if he plays enough games, he gets the MVP, which a lot of people really – it means a lot to a lot of people. It doesn't really mean that much to me, but it's a nice feather in the cap for fans of the Philadelphia 76ers and Philadelphia sports fans that MB gets – 70 points last night as we talked about it before the playoffs are all that matters and bead this is all nice but any basketball fan will tell you and this is not me being a hater you have to get out of the second round if you're a great player you can't be a great player and you can't 
have be an MVP candidate every year and you don't get your team to the greatest heights. And so at least this year, I can see the Sixers getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't see them beating Boston. So I think this is another year where we look at Embiid and go, okay, he did take a step up. They got one more notch beyond where they were supposed to go. And then it's just a matter of getting good enough to beat Boston. And I don't know if you could do that with the way Boston is constructed with these young stars that are under contract for a long time. And you're going to have to beat that kind of team the way they build it. So on one hand, I'm encouraged by the 76ers. And I think they're better than last year. I think they're better coach. I think Nick Nurse knows what he's doing. Um, and, and they have they have made Embiid the focus of this team with Maxi being a, a Robin. And that's been good. And they've got surprising contributions from Tobias Harris at times. And they've got some depth where they can waste some minutes. Uh, you can't play 10 people going into the playoffs. So we'll see if that settles down and they get a rotation of a solid eight, which they don't really have right now. He doesn't really know what is eight are right now. So uh, Melton's going to be one of them. Obviously he's hurt right now. So you give Melton one of those spots you give, I guess you got to give Paul Reed one of those spots. But again, is that enough? Paul Reed, one of your pieces, one of your eight, is that enough? Uh, Marcus Morris, is that going to be a piece? Is it going to be Covington? There's a lot of mystery with the Sixers and who they can rely on in the playoffs and in an eight-man, maybe nine-man rotation. So we'll put that on hold for the time being. A monumental performance for Joel Embiid last night. 70 points is spectacular. The people that were there are going to remember that game for a really long time. And uh, we saw Brett Brown last night, uh, our pal Brett, hugging uh, up the guys that he had coach through the the process years and we even saw popovich in a good mood last night which is hard to believe so all right so Embiid 70 that's the first thing we wanted to touch on it's the most current but certainly uh, what's going to be current tomorrow is the uh, philadelphia eagles now there is a press conference tomorrow scheduled that includes general manager howie roseman along with head coach nick sirianni which is an indication that Sirianni probably is going to be back as the coach. I can't see any other situation that would happen here unless they're throwing us a major curveball. You know I am on the record. Uh, I would not have kept Nick Sirianni. Uh, but the tip-off was a few days ago when they uh, there was a release or a report that said that Sirianni, along with Howie Roseman, were looking at potential coordinator um, um, candidates. Uh, so that was the tip off right there. And here's the way the Eagles are going to spin it. I, I, I love this because they're going to be snide about it. They're going to come out tomorrow and they're going to say, well, I, it was only an issue to you folks. You know, when Nick was coming back all along, it was only an issue to you folks. Uh, we didn't feel we needed, we needed to make any kind of announcement. We ended the season and, and we, you know, he, he was our coach. And they're going to try to make the media, and hence the fans, feel bad about it. And then the fans are going to turn against the media. Because the fans now go, oh, say the media starting trouble that he was going to get fired. <laughs> so the Eagles have played this beautifully because they're so smarmy sometimes and snide. And that's the way it's going to turn out tomorrow. Oh, you guys made it an issue. It was never an issue for us. So let me just say this to the Eagles. I think it's the wrong decision. Okay. Uh, I, I saw all I needed to see with Nick Sirianni losing six of the last seven games. He was powerless to stop a disintegrating football team that is part of a head coach's job 
He showed he couldn't do it. How can I possibly rely on him from this point on? That's the last thing I know about the guy. He couldn't handle that kind of a situation. So, okay. But we also said this, that this was a Jeffrey Lurie handpicked guy, that this was the new toy that he had found. He wanted to show everybody how smart he was. I found Nick Sariani. Look at this. He came out of nowhere, just like we found all these other guys that came out of nowhere. And he didn't want to go back on that. He didn't want to make himself look ridiculous. So here's the easiest solution. You bring him back and you demand that he change his coaching staff, which is what we also suggested. And so tomorrow they may address whether they're going to have a coordinator on board. But here are the following candidates. They're looking for a defensive coordinator now. And so here are the names that are being thrown about. Wink Martindale from the Giants. Ron Rivera. The deposed coach of the Washington Commanders and Mike Caldwell. These are retread people. All right. These are not innovative selections. I mean, these are guys have been around the block, have been kicked around. They have a reputation, okay, but it's not novel. It's not anything that you know you believe in because Wink Martindale blitzes a lot. You're gonna hire him, and the Giants stink. Um, and Ron Rivera, you're gonna take a head coach who's been a head coach for all this time and, and, uh, and have him be a defensive coordinator and not, and think he's going to be like totally immersed in that kind of a proceeding. Been a head coach. Once you've been a head coach, you don't want to go back to being a coordinator. I, I would doubt his commitment to that. And, and Mike Caldwell has been around forever. I don't need a guy that's been around forever. I need somebody that's bright, somebody who looks at modern day football and can come up with schemes um, you know, Jonathan Gannon was that type of guy. Shane Steichen was that type of guy. I at least uh, lauded the Eagles for going out and doing some due diligence to find a nouveau coach. I'm a nouveau guy. I don't go back in time. So, no, I wouldn't like to see them uh, hire Wink Mardale or Ron Rivera or Mike Caldwell. I'm, and maybe that's the solution. Maybe Laurie has now given in. And we talked about giving in. With the head coach, not the coordinators, with the head coach, you talked about, all right, stop trying to find a new shiny toy. Get somebody who's reliable. Get somebody who's been through it. Get a veteran. Get a Mike Vrabel type. Change the mindset. Well, now he's going to do that with the coordinator and bring Sirianni back. I don't know what to think about the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, but I, I can tell you that that presser is going to be pretty interesting tomorrow, and we'll have the highlights of it. We'll come back at you on Thursday with the highlights of what they do uh, tomorrow uh, after we have time to study. Uh, so let me bring uh, producer uh, Darren in on uh, the, the first uh, couple of uh, Eagle issues that we talked about. Uh, are you on board with a, an experienced defensive coordinator? Because I, I tell you, most fans probably are. Um, first of all, I want to say one thing about Sirianni. I, I don't do this often, but I have flipped uh, my opinion because I, I have liked Nick a lot. Uh, but the more I thought about it and the more I think about it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to bring him back, really. I know we both know why they're bringing him back, because, you know, Lori and, and Roseman like to have full control over these type of things, and they can, and he's just, to them, a figurehead. So that's why they brought him back. As for defensive coordinator and new coordinators, no, I don't want retreads either. I don't have any particular names involved. Um, but I would look at the Baltimore staff. I would look at San Francisco staff. I might even offensively look at Green Bay staff and what Matt LaFleur is doing for a position coach, one that they're high on, one that um, is closely intricate with the system. 
I don't want a guy. First of all, Ron Rivera and Mike Caldwell are big linebacker guys. Like they're gonna they're gonna argue for linebackers. That's they both played linebacker. They both um, won awards for coaching linebackers. They were both predominantly linebackers coaches before they got into their defensive coordinator positions and in Rivera's case head coach. Um, so no, I don't want to retread offensively. I don't want Frank Reich enough of Frank Reich. I'm so tired of hearing Frank Reich's name. I know Jim Bob Cooter, like, you know, go for it. I want a newer, fresher mind on both sides of the ball. Look at the successful staffs that are out there. Now there are several. That's where you're looking at offensive coordinator as well as defensive coordinator. Of course, offensive coordinator. It looks like Brian Johnson's uh, gone. Brian Johnson Uh, is out as of this morning. Yeah. So Jim Bob. Jim Bob Cooter, it would be a sensational name to I, have in town. I, yeah, I, 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 we we could do, do the Jim Bob Cooter moment every every week here on the podcast. But I can't uh, hear his I, name I, before. I, I don't know where the Whatever. franchise is. It'll be really interesting to see how hard they're pressed tomorrow in this press conference by the people who cover the team, and that's the thing I'm most looking forward to. That the press press on these guys, uh, Sirianni and. Uh, and I want to really know. I they're not going to tell you, but maybe Howie Roseman will take a bullet here about the defensive coordinator switch, because I can't imagine if this this if it's Sirianni. I mean, I don't think it is. I really think this came from above. But if it's Sirianni, how could I ever trust a guy like Nick Sirianni again who would make a faulty decision like that? I hope that that is explored tomorrow with questions because you can ask hard enough questions to get an inkling on what happened with that situation, whether Sirianni endorsed it. So if he admits you, uh, he endorses it, then the follow-up question is, well, why would you endorse that? Why would you think that would work? And I would go deep with him on that. I would go back and forth if I was one of those reporters. I, I think keeping Sirianni tells you all you need to know that they know they weren't his choices for coordinator. So that's what I think anyway. Well, I would like to see the truth exposed tomorrow with the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, let's get to the NFL playoffs. Uh, before we get to the actual matchups, there's a topic that I would really like to discuss here. Because uh, as the San Francisco 49ers were playing the Tampa Bay Bucks, there was all kinds of um, uh, activity on social media from Philadelphia fans about how they wanted the 49ers to lose. Uh, I don't understand a mentality like that. You see, when the, once the home team is out, I want the best teams possible to advance. Like, it, it, it's funny because you cut off your nose to spite your face. You want the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to beat the 49ers because you hate the 49ers. Here's the reason why you hate the 49ers. Because they whined after you beat them. Who cares that they whined after you beat them? I get it, or it's annoying, but then they buried you during the regular season. So there's like a double hatred. A, they whined about losing to the Eagles because they didn't have a quarterback the year before. And, and B, they took the Eagles' hearts out this year, which was the main reason why the Eagles fell apart. The 49ers took their heart. But now let's cut off your nose, and I'll just spite your face here because then – you're going to have the Tampa Bay Bucks in the freaking Super Bowl? Now, you'll be the first one to complain about an inferior team skating their way to the Super Bowl by luck or whatever, by happenstance. I don't want the upsets to happen because 
it reduces and dilutes the product that is brought to you. And then people say to me, well, Mike, what about the NCAA tournament? I don't like the upsets in the NCAA tournament. I like it in the first round. I like the first round upsets. When the, when the tournament advances, I want the best teams to play each other. It's a more interesting game. We're all in this for the entertainment value, right? Do I want a schlep 10 seed playing in the final four? No, I don't want that. I don't want it because they don't deserve to be there. They caught lightning in a bottle. You reduce a team's efficiency during an entire season if you go for that, that, that short-term gulp of satisfaction. So at the end of the day, here's what you do. The Tampa Bay would have beat the 49ers. You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next day you go, oh, shit. That's what you would have done. And I see, I look past that. I, 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 Darren, I know you were probably one of them that wanted the 49ers to lose, right? No, I want to see. I'm like you. I don't, because I would be the same way. Yeah, the Niners lost. They're whiny. But, Christ, now I got to watch Baker Mayfield in the NFC Championship game. No, I want to see Detroit San Francisco. That's going to be a great game. And this is what people see. Philadelphia people are so provincial. They get the red ass over everything. And it's like, I go, so, like, so what? So they whined. You won the game. You went to the Super Bowl. Who cares if they whine? Why is that still an issue that they whined? Let them whine. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, and what, you're butthurt because they were that much better than the Eagles when they played them here? Like, I don't get this mentality. You got to look at the reality of it. The 49ers are a team that I wish the Eagles were. That's the bottom line, right? Whether you hate them or not, they're a great team. So I want to see that great team go to the ultimate game. What are the two best teams remaining now? Don't you want to see them play each other? Do you not want to see the 49ers play the Ravens right now? In the it would Super be Bowl? good. Would I that would not be, be okay. the ultimate Super Bowl? It would be. I would. I wouldn't be okay though if Detroit upset them because yeah, the I am not because Detroit's another paper tiger. I don't want to see Detroit either go to the Super Bowl. What is it? Who cares? It's a great story for Detroit. What do I care? It's a great story for Detroit. If I was a Detroit, the Detroit native, then I would care. I don't want that Detroit Lions in a freaking Super Bowl. I'm most disappointed. Kansas City's really good, and Andy Reid might be coach of the year again. Um, just masterful this year, but, and, and they deserve it. Mahomes is that good, but I really wanted a Baltimore Buffalo, excuse me, AFC title game. That would have been the game of the year. No question. Yeah, well, it's not. And so here's what yeah. we have this weekend. Detroit at the 49ers. The 49ers are a seven point favorite in this game. That's heavy. Seven point favorite. Now that's heavy. If, if you go by the line telling you something, that's a 49er line. I mean, that's a crazy, crazy line. After Debo only 50 50 chance has shown to play a lot it too. Of, of spunk here, and they're seven point dogs. So I'm probably taking the leaning towards the 49ers. And the other one, Casey of Baltimore almost looks like a, a too easy uh, with, with the Ravens at minus three and a half. I, I think the Kansas City Chiefs run out of magic against that team. So I would expect that Baltimore would cover. The three and a half. How are you feeling about both of those? I, uh, you know, I think. Can- <laughs> How often do you give Kansas City points? And like I learned my lesson last week. You can never give that team points. Um, I think Kansas City has a legitimate shot because of how well they're coached, and you can't ever count that quarterback out. Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the year, of the season. No question about it. Mahomes is better. (laughs) 
I mean, if you take and quarterback's the most important position on the team. Now, the Ravens at. are yeah. well coached. The as Ravens well. have been more consistent than the Bills. The Bills no have doubt been, had their moments. So the yeah. Kansas City beating, you know, there's a monumental win for the Chiefs, but uh again against a team that as in the past you've seen what they did. Baltimore has been straight yeah. steady. So uh that, they're a bad, bad right team. Now. Led by a bunch we'll of bad, to, bad we'll men. Actual picks a little later in the week. So there's a question that you posed that I want to uh, talk about now. And uh, now that both quarterbacks are out, Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts. And so the question is, uh, I see. Here's the here's the thing about me. I don't overreact. I don't overreact to temporary success. Uh, I and that's being from the, it being in the business for so long. People are just love to jump at temporary success and anoint somebody before their time. So here we get to the uh, Jordan Love or Jalen Hurts conversation. Would you rather have Jordan Love as your quarterback for the long haul or Jalen Hurts for the long haul? Let me just tell you that I need more information on Jordan Love. And I probably need more information on Jalen Hurts because I thought he regressed a little bit this year. So this is really a very difficult question to answer. But I will tell you that right now I would say Hurts over Jordan Love because I just don't I I just don't buy into the wow he's look what he's done, and the same thing goes for C.J. Stroud. I I I I was a big C.J. Stroud guy over the, the guy the Carolina Panthers took. I thought it was a no brainer. But I, again, this is early in their careers, and they're going to face a lot of adjustments from a lot of smart people. So before I anoint somebody as the thing, I need to see a lot more. And that goes for C.J. Stroud, certainly goes for Jordan Love. So my answer right now would be I'd take Hurts over Jordan Love. Your answer. I, I, first of all, I completely agree that there's not enough information out there. Both quarterbacks, Hurts and uh, Love, had one very good year. Um, I, you know, Maybe next year Love comes back and has another equally good year. Hertz obviously regressed and he regressed more and more as the season went on. There's not enough information out there. So based on that, I would agree. The devil, you know, is better than the devil. You don't know, okay. but it's not by much. It's not like I'm really leaning. Yeah, they're pretty probably the other. You know, right now they're both, they both have questions whether they can get to the really the higher level. They need more time to do it. Uh, but uh, love right, does appear though. to be a much better passer, which makes me think mm, maybe yeah, Jordan, Jordan loves, loves a better passer. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, all right, one last football thing before we get into some uh, uh, baseball issue. Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, by the way, uh, announced tonight at 6 p.m. Who makes it? Um, Dan Morgan well, has been named the general manager of the Carolina Panthers. Dan Morgan happens to be a Delco kid. And, and I remember when he was a star football player, uh, I believe it was Strathaven High. Uh, down the way from me here uh, in Delaware County, and he became a pretty good linebacker in the NFL. He wound up going to Miami, and I remember uh, that uh, Penn State wanted him badly. Instead, they got Dan Connor, and Dan Morgan went to Miami. And Dan Morgan, Delco kid, becomes a general manager. So a shout-out to Delco's finest, Dan Morgan uh, at a Strathaven. I believe it was Strathaven. Is it Strathaven? Can you look that up for me? Where do you go to high school, Dan Morgan? 
I'm looking at him now. It says he went to high school in Coral Springs, Florida. Maybe he's one of those IMG type schools. Down oh, he, here. so he transferred. All right, so he he yeah. started off, and maybe he went to Upper Darby. I, uh, maybe it's maybe it's um, confusing Morgan with Dan Connor. No, no, no. You're right. He went to hold on. He played his freshman year at Upper Darby High School in Upper okay. Darby Township, right, Upper and Darby. then attended uh, Taravella High School in Coral Springs, Florida. All right. Well, then he's a there you go. He's a pseudo Duco guy. He went to- <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, anyway, dude, never mind that. All right, that, let's move on to the Baseball Hall of Fame. <laughs> Six o'clock tonight, the announcement. You need 80%. I, I just got a bunch of names here that, uh, first of all, Adrian Beltre is going to be a lot. Uh, and my dog likes that selection as well. Adrian Beltre. <laughs> my, dog is, my dog is watching the podcast, but also looking at the window at, dog, at dogs being walked. So there's, there's her commentary. Right, Settle down, Shima. Oh, oh, yo, relax. All right. Uh, so Beltre's the first podcast. timer. He's going to get in. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's getting in first time. Uh, okay, Joe Maurer, first time. I don't know about Joe Maurer. Uh, Chase Utley uh, and David Wright. Uh, neither of those guys will get in. Um, I, I'll, I'll talk about Chase Utley in a second. Um, here are the people who are close to getting in. Todd Helton got 72.2% of the vote last year. Billy Wagner got 68.1%. You can make a case that both of them, both their numbers are good enough to get in the Hall of Fame. I don't think either of them will, however. Uh, Andrew Jones, I, he's not a Hall of Famer in my view. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I go by feel more than anything. Uh, Andrew Jones is not a Hall of Famer. Gary Sheffield is not a Hall of Famer. Carlos Beltran is not a Hall of Famer for obvious reasons. A-Rod is not a Hall of Famer for uh, obvious reasons. Manny Ramirez, the same thing. Omar Vizquel, he has a taint now, uh, and he won't get in the Hall of Fame. Andy Pettit doesn't belong. Bobby Abreu doesn't belong. Jimmy Rollins, he belongs. Uh, and, and He's only get, like he's pulling at like 20%, so he'll probably never get in. And I don't understand it. I think if you look at Jimmy Rollins' numbers and you compare – his numbers to the shortstops that are in the Hall of Fame, you would think that he should be a lock for the Hall of Fame. And I don't get why he doesn't get more acclaim. So uh, look at Jimmy. I believe I believe that Jimmy Rollins should be in and Chase Utley should not be in. And they go, well, Mike, what are you talking about? Chase Utley. I know people love Chase Utley. I know they love him. He just did not – his numbers are not enough. And unfortunately for him, he missed a lot of time with injuries. And so, therefore, his numbers, in my view, aren't enough to get into the Hall of Fame. And people say, well, he was the best second baseman for in, in baseball for a period of time. Yeah, okay, yeah. But he, he just did – to me, you got to get 2,000 hits. If you don't get the 2,000 hits, I can't even look at you. If you get 2,000, less than 2,000 hits and you have 500 home runs, then I'm looking at you. But if you get less than 2,000 hits, I, I'm sorry. So Chase does not belong. I know that will upset a lot of Philly fans out there. That's my view on the Baseball Hall of Fame, which tonight at 6 o'clock will be revealed. All righty. It is now time for Mike Unleashed. Man, I'm going to go all over the map for Mike Unleashed today. Of course, Mike Unleashed, sports, non-sports. Let's start since we ended the last segment with baseball. Let's start Mike Unleashed with baseball. Uh, I happen to see the photo of the bobblehead that will honor Bryson Stott this year as a giveaway. Um, And here's my question. We are so brilliant 
at, at, at uh, artistic endeavors these days. We have the technology to, I mean, I can see a bronze statue in front of, of a ballpark and it looks just like the guy. Some, some guy carving copper can make a, a, a copper statue look exactly like the guy. And yet, every bobblehead that I see looks like a Ken doll. Like, what, what, what the hell? Why can't we get bobbleheads that look, design bobbleheads of all the creative geniuses and graphic artists in this nation and around the world? Why can't we get a bobblehead that looks like the guy? This doesn't look like Bryson Stott at all. All right, they slapped the headband on him. It's supposed to be Bryson Stott. What, if you what never saw Bryson Stott bobbleheads, before, if you never saw him before and you just saw the bobblehead, you would think he was Latino. He doesn't look like he's Latin. It's the worst bobblehead out of all. No bobblehead that I've ever seen looks like the person. Can we get close? Wait, well, why can't like some Italian brought a brought over on a steamship carve a bronze <laughs> statue that looks exactly like Hank Aaron, but we can't get a bobblehead that looks like Bryson Stott. All it's right. really none of them look good. Let's move on. Back to football. Um, this is a classic new school, old school argument. The fumble near the goal line that goes out of the end zone or goes beyond the pylon and exits the end zone to the left side of the end zone. It happened in a game which made the Buffalo Bills actually have a chance. It, it, Buffalo Bills benefited by that fumble. Uh, by Kansas City uh, near the goal line. I don't understand the rule. I just don't do not understand the logic of the rule that the offensive team who has had the acumen to move the ball close to the goal line as possible gets punished because a fumble goes out of the end zone. It's, it, it doesn't make any sense to punish the team that gets the ball close to the goal line. And people go, you know, the old school people, because I put that out on a tweet. The old school people go, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a great rule because you should hold on to the football. It's, it's ridiculous because if you fumble the ball at the 50-yard line, it goes out of bounds, what happens? Does the other team get the ball? No, they don't get the ball. You can keep possession. Now, if you want to make that more important that you fumble near the goal line, give the team, let them keep possession, penalize them 10 yards or 15 yards, whatever. But it doesn't make any sense to reward the other team that really didn't make a great defensive play because they allow that team to get close to the goal line anyway. Why should they be rewarded? Because a guy fumbled the ball out of bounds. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Does it make any sense to you, Darren? No, I would penalize 15 yards at least or bump them back to the 20. If you're inside the five, bump them back to the 25-yard line. But, uh, yeah, let them keep the ball. That's not the I worst egregious rule that needs to be changed. Hold on to the ball. I, I, okay, well, the guy didn't hold on to the ball, and he fumbled at the 48. What do you say to that? Well, I, well, I, I never thought about that. Well, yeah, think about it. All right. Speaking of football, I'm watching the Fox pregame show, halftime. Can somebody explain this to me? Can please, please. I'll, I will take every explanation. You can email me, mike at mikemiss.com. Why on earth is there a need to put Rob Gronkowski 
on television. What is the compelling reason that that cement head who talks like like a, a runaway uh, uh, train that has no coherent thoughts whatsoever uh, is on the post game show? Can you explain that to me? Like like you don't have enough people that annoy me on that broadcast. Like the, Jimmy Johnson, Michael Strahan, uh, uh, um, uh, Howie Long bothers me to no end. The Bradshaw I kind of like. Why do you need Gronkowski on there? Why? Tell me. I, it's for some reason Fox of all the pregame shows seems to have this need for comic relief. I mean, they're all the guys on there, all buddy buddy all the time. It was just kind of annoying to me. I like Howie a little bit. I don't like the others, but um, I hate Howie. Before it was Rob Riggle, Mike. You why hated do, Rob why Riggle do you too. like Howie? He's just about as he's... smug as you can get. There is nothing enjoyable about watching Howie Long. Well, because 90% of what he says is just X's and O's and football related. Whereas the other guys like to clown around a lot. That's he, the only his X's and O's don't even make. I, I don't understand anybody on that panel. <laughs> I really don't. Well, I don't understand anybody on any panel. I don't understand. I like, I, I'm watching uh, uh, NBC. Boomer Sison rolls out a mob suit. It was a ridiculous. It's a terrible look. Did, everybody, <laughs> did, did your wife say, do you wear that? Did you see right. that mob suit he had on? I did not. I, I may have. I don't remember it. I, I'm right. telling you, right. they all just right, like I'm, comedy on Fox. They had Rob Riggle on all the time before, and he was yeah, brutal. Yeah, he's not on anymore, fortunately. Uh, all right. Uh, also, during the broadcast, of course, the Detroit Lions are playing. Just like in Philadelphia, you got to have the obligatory cheesesteak shot. You got the obligatory Detroit pizza shot. And uh, here's, my, um, here's my assessment. I've had Detroit pizza. I've had Chicago pizza. Detroit pizza and Chicago pizza are ass. Okay. I know there's a lot of people that swear by in, in their hometowns. That's not pizza. It's deep dish. It's deep dish lasagna is what it is. It's not pizza. There is one style of pizza and it's New York style. All right. Don't give me this Detroit thickness with butter all around the crust and all, uh, or get it Chicago where you have to eat it with a knife and fork. That's not pizza. Can we agree to that? Yeah, I totally. Chicago's not even close to being pizza. I've had, uh, a, there's a friend of mine that has a pizza shop that does a, a decent Detroit pizza in Jersey, but New York is your best. I don't far. get it. I don't understand it. I don't get it. So, like, how, how have you bastardized pizza, which started in New York and right. came across the country to the point where people in Detroit had to make it a different way, or people in Chicago had to make it, I don't get it. Uh, why, why would you break away from what pizza is supposed to be? Uh, I only order you know, only you in Italy. They're not style. serving that kind of pizza in Italy. <laughs> no, not at all. All right, let's move on. Um, I was uh, watching the uh, uh, news the, uh, the other day, and uh, uh, there was a fire in college basketball. The Pauls had a really rough time competing, um, and uh, they fired their coach, Tony Stubblefield. They've had a, they, their, their program, basketball program is really – Falling on hard times from the point where Rod Strickland used to play for DePaul and they were viable under Ray Meyer. Remember those days? Uh, anyway, the head coach, the assistant, took over. The assistant coach at DePaul is Matt Brady. Matt Brady is a guy, Pennsylvania guy, who uh, has kicked around coaching and uh, was a really good player for, I believe, Siena. And then became an assistant at St. Joseph's, 
Well, I was kind of in my early radio days, but I had covered uh, college basketball, and he was an assistant under Matt, uh, 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 Phil Martelli. Uh, so um, they had used to have Midnight Madness at St. Joe's, and they invited a crew of us to play against the coaching staff of St. Joe's on St. Joe's Midnight Madness. It was myself, Neil Hartman, and Jody McDonald formed a three-on-three game, a half-court game, against Matt Brady, who was a really good player, Jeffrey Arnold, an assistant at St. Joe's, who was a really good player, and John Griffin, who was the head coach, who in his day was a really good player and still was competitive as hell. They brought us on to try to humiliate us in front of a hometown crowd. Guess who won the game? In the upset of the century, <laughs> myself, Neil Hartman, and Jody McDonald shook up the world in front of the St. Joe Midnight Madness crown to defeat them. And here's how we defeated them. First of all, I was making shots like galore. Jody so, Mac feeling, feeding you dimes. <laughs> Mac, 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 Mac was getting rebound. And Neil Hartman was like a Ain't vacuum no. player. Getting, getting every rebound, kicking it out, and I was firing back. So they finally call a timeout. The, the score, we were up one. You had to win by two. They call a timeout. Now, John Griffin is screaming at his guys. He is livid that we're that close to winning the game. So he puts Jeffrey Arnold on me. Now, Jeffrey Arnold is a, a really good player. So. I, I go, there's no way that I can take Jeffrey Arnold to the basket here. So I got the ball. I get the ball. I'm 22 feet away. Jeffrey Arnold is playing me to drive. He doesn't think I'm going to shoot that long of a jump shot. I go, I got one chance here. I fire it. Bang! To win the game and shake up the world in front of St. Joe Midnight Madness crowd. <laughs> That's great. They carry That's off. <laughs> it was one of the great victories of all time. And John Griffin never forgot it. Oh, oh he was awesome. snarly about it. All right. <laughs> last thing on Mike Unleashed for today. I took a bad beat last night. I'm watching the Sixers game. I got this looks like first quarter this is. This looks like a blowout. And beats having his way. This looks like a 25 point game to me. I go on my Bet Rivers app, live betting in game. Bet Rivers has a Sixers, minus 10 and a half. I go, I'm jumping on that. I jump on the minus 10 and a half. Now, the Sixers are leading by about 14 comfortably into the last minute. I'm going, okay, okay. They get the, uh, they get, they're up now by 11. And uh, here comes the Sixers. They got their scrubs in. This Ricky Council Jr., for some reason, decides to take a shot when he could have dribbled out the clock. He takes a shot, misses, and I'm going, this is not happening. San Antonio gets the rebound. They push it up court. A guy gets an uncontested layup for the Sixers to only win by 10. That, my friends, is a bad beat. I would not have been able to go to sleep. (laughs) Uh, Ricky Council, dude. Why in the hell would you take a shot there? What's the point of that shot? All right. That's the end of Mike Unleashed. I guess we got to close it down. Did we forget anything today? 
No, we will have reaction to tomorrow's Sirianni Roseman Eagles press conference. Yes, either we're all over the Thursday morning. Uh, appreciate you listening today again. I've been doing a lot of cameos lately. I'm having fun with the cameos. So if you want a personal shout out, all you got to do is go to cameo.com, put my name in there. Uh, there'll be a price, uh, whatever the price fluctuates. But I, I, I give you my heart when I give you a shout out. And a lot of people have asked me birthdays, um, uh, weddings, engagements, uh, any kind of uh, uh, of uh, ceremony you're going through. I'll be glad to to give you a cameo shout out. Also, you can email me, Mike at MikeMiss.com. We put a lot of controversial things on the map today. So if you have any opinions, uh, anti or pro, or the opinions put out today, I'd love to hear it at Mike at MikeMiss.com. And, of course, you can check me out on Twitter at MikeMiss25. For producer Darren, I am Mike Missinelli. This is the Bed Rivers Mike Missinelli Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll be back at you on Thursday. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Mike Bissonelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.